what is this puberty thing? Like, and he had all this hair. It was like, oh my god! And he said, "Why did you say oh my god?" And I said, "Because oh my god, that wasn't there last week." And then at ten and a half, she got her first period, which was quite a surprise for me because I was a very late developer and I thought she would be too. Welcome to Planet Puberty, where we launch into the mood swing Milky Way, float by the B.O. black hole, and gaze with wonder at the menstruation constellation. Puberty can be a tough time for all young people, but for kids with intellectual disability and autism, it can be even harder for both them and their parents and carers. Each episode, we try to make puberty less of a bumpy ride by chatting to parents and carers about their experience of supporting a child with disability through puberty. We also talk with professionals about tips and tricks you can use to help you and your child navigate this new world. My name is Katie and I will be your guide as each episode we delve into a new and exciting puberty topic. This episode, we're talking about masturbation. We chat with Sarah about her experience with supporting her daughter to learn about masturbation and privacy. We will talk about some of the challenges they have faced and some of the things that she has found helpful in building her daughter's knowledge on private and public behaviours. We will also talk to Sarah and Lee from the Centre for Positive Behaviour Support. They will be answering questions about masturbation sent in from parents and carers all over the country. But first, a little content warning. Masturbation can be a sensitive topic, and we do talk about some things that are quite personal. So we suggest listening to this episode in a private place. Now, let's hear from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. That's all right. Can you start us off by telling me a little bit about yourself and your family? Hi, I live in regional New South Wales with my husband and my daughter. My daughter was an IVF baby, so we're very happy with that. Um, Unfortunately, our daughter is autistic. She has severe autism and that has affected a lot of things in our family. Um, But also she's a joy because she's so happy and funny and she loves playing in water and bouncing on her trampoline and she's very cute. So do you remember when you first noticed that your daughter had started puberty? Um, She was around 10 years old. She started to develop her breasts and then at 10 and a half she got her first period, which was quite a surprise for me because I was a very late developer and I thought she would be too. Yeah, it's very interesting um, seeing, you know, the differences and the expectations of what, you know, parents' experience of puberty was and and thinking that that might be similar for their children. So it was a bit of a shock for you that she started her period so early. It was too, and it was very hard on her because she didn't have the, the intellectual capacity to understand why she was feeling sick and why this was happening to her. So in consultation with her paediatrician, we put her on the contraceptive pill and she only takes the active pills so she doesn't get her period anymore. Yeah, so it was it was quite challenging for her sort of being able to learn to manage her period. It was very challenging, yes. She had a lot of pain. And so today you're actually here to talk to us specifically about masturbation. 
Um, so masturbation is a very normal part of growing up, but can sometimes be a bit awkward or confronting to talk about, particularly when we're talking about, you know, speaking to your children about masturbation. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience in supporting your daughter to learn about masturbation? Yes, I will. When um, my daughter first got her period, about six months later, she started to explore her body, like play with her nipples and her genitals. And I was beside myself. I did not know what to do. And um, luckily a flyer came home from her school about children with disabilities and puberty. And I did a, a, a webinar with family planning, which helped a lot. And it made me see that even though my, my daughter had a disability, she was still like any other child and had these feelings and these hormones and these changes going on. And I've encouraged her that if she wants to masturbate, it's something she does in her room when she's alone and it's not something that she sits on the lounge and does or things like that and it's not something she does when she's out of the house. That's wonderful that the webinar was able to help you with that. I think uh, a lot of parents uh, are quite shocked when, you know, they, they might come across their child masturbating. Um, so, you know, seeing that as, an, as a normal part of growing up can be hard sometimes. But then also I think sometimes that added complexity of having a child with disability can make that harder again. Yes. And you talked a bit about teaching your daughter to... Uh, go to her room to masturbate uh, was what strategies did you use to sort of to teach her that masturbation mm. only happens in a private place um just repetition is very important with my daughter and also um if if I see her like playing with her nipples I say into your room that's something you do when when you're alone sweetie not out in the lounge room and encourage her without trying to make her feel shame because I was brought up Catholic and it was very difficult, my puberty. <laughs> and do you think that um, that upbringing of yours really influenced how you made decisions about helping your daughter to learn about things like masturbation and, and her puberty experience? Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've tried to make it as, um, as open and honest as possible but also to um help her with the help her with the feelings she's having and that sort of thing yes how have you gone about doing that just by not being cross and encouraging her to that it's okay to do it but you don't do it in the lounge room sort of thing or you don't do it when when you're at school or in the car or things like that yes yeah, so you've set some clear sort of boundaries out about, yes, it's okay to do it here, but it's not okay to do it here. That's right, yes. Well, that's um, it's really wonderful, uh, Sarah. I mean, uh, a lot of people often associate masturbation with, you know, feelings of embarrassment and then there is the shame factor that, that comes in and I think that's uh, just something that's learnt through society. So making that conscious decision to... Um, not bring in those feelings of shame for your daughter around masturbation is um, is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then as your daughter continues to grow, is there anything that you're looking forward to as she becomes a young adult? 
Um, I'd like to think that at some stage she'd have the capacity to have a romantic relationship or a, like with someone that won't take advantage of her because of her disability, someone that's on a similar level to her maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we all want our kids to find somebody special that they can be happy with. Um, <laughs> yes. But I think, yeah, that concern of just making sure that they find a relationship that's safe um, yes, and, and that there isn't a power imbalance. Will you be working with your daughter to sort of learn some skills around safe relationships or have you already started doing that? No, I haven't started that. I think that will come as she's older, maybe when she's yeah. 14 or 15 maybe. Yeah. And are there any um, places that you think you'll reach out to for support in that area? Family planning again, I think, and um, just the internet research. You've been a big part of uh, helping us with our Planet Puberty resource, so hopefully that will be able to answer some of your relationships' questions when the time comes. I hope so, yes. And just to finish us off, Sarah, is there any advice that you'd like to give other parents and carers around supporting their kids with masturbation? Everybody does it. I did it. You probably did it. Most people did it at some stage. And remember, it's perfectly normal, even for a child with a disability, to have these feelings and changes. And just go with the flow. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you. For many people, talking about masturbation can be difficult and sometimes embarrassing. It's usually associated with a lot of negativity and shame, which can make it difficult to talk about masturbation in a proactive and positive way with your child. Masturbation is, however, a normal part of growing up, just like growing pubic hair or getting acne. While it is a normal part of growing up, there are some things that your child should learn to ensure that masturbation remains a safe and enjoyable practice for them and for other people around them. This includes learning about private and public places and behaviours. We received a number of questions from parents and carers across the country, expressing concern about how to teach their child about masturbation and privacy. We asked Sarah and Lee from the Centre for Positive Behaviour Support to answer some of these questions. Joining us on the podcast today are Sarah and Lee. Lee is the Assistant Clinical Director for the Centre for Positive Behaviour Support and has a Master's of Education and Applied Behaviour Analysis. Sarah is a psychologist, devoted board certified behaviour analyst and a panel chair for the ACT's Senior Practitioners Working to Eliminate Restrictive Practice Use. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Hi. Would you guys like to tell us a little bit about the Centre for Positive Behaviour Support and the work that goes on there? Absolutely. Uh, so CPBS provides behavioural support for individuals ranging from around two years old up until quite elderly um, with neurodevelopmental disorders um, to provide uh, upskilling um, strategies to reduce challenging behaviours and to actively try and improve quality of life for the people that we serve. 
Fabulous. Well, we're really excited to have you both on board today uh, and to pick your brains with some of these questions that parents and carers have sent in. Uh, So I might jump into our very first question, uh, which is from Erica in Western Australia. Erica has said, my son is 11 years old and has a moderate intellectual disability. He has recently started putting his hands down his pants when we're out in public and when he is at school. I'm trying to tell him that this is inappropriate, but it's difficult for him to understand. When I do get him to take his hands out of his pants, it doesn't last very long. Five minutes later, they're back down there again. What should I do? It's important to understand if this behaviour is due to the engagement that he receives when in public from the behaviour. And if he is getting engagement or is getting a response from people, we then want to... you know, consider that prompting him to stop and redirecting him away from that behaviour is actually going to reinforce the behaviour and make it more likely to occur because he may be looking for that um, response. However, if we were to praise him for when he engages in that behaviour at home first, um, that would be much more effective in getting him to, you know, seek out that response that he's looking for. But not in the community, so only in the home. So that would be, you know, if he does put his hands down his pants, we go, yeah, bud, thanks for putting, you know, thanks for keeping this at home and, you know, not in public. And then eventually you would want to provide praise only if he does it in his bedroom so that we're really trying to shape or encourage him to do it in private places where that's appropriate rather than um, out in the community. Um, It would also be useful to teach him what is public and what's private using various visuals. So you've got the So Safe material or there's also things on Planet Puberty that you can use as well. Um, And that would be quite important to address with him because it seems like maybe he doesn't have that understanding necessarily of the appropriateness or inappropriateness of putting his hands down his pants when he's in public. And so, you know, they would be the two main things is really trying to reiterate to him where that is appropriate to engage in that behaviour, such as at home or in your bedroom, and then redirecting him with minimal engagement when it's out of the community. We don't really want to be reinforcing him for that behaviour in the community. And would it be worthwhile sort of looking into whether he's doing this in reaction to like specific situations like if he's stressed or uncomfortable like is it a comfort thing or a relaxation thing yeah definitely you would really want to be ruling in or ruling out any of those other factors as well you know does it only happen when we're at the shopping center um you know I've had people who have done that at the shopping center when they're in the line for the grocery store because there's a mirror that they can see themselves in um, so that they only do it there. And so, you know, if that's the case and you really want to address that aspect that is motivating that behaviour rather than just that behaviour in isolation. And so that's really important to explore that as well and work out is it, you know, due to the environment around or is it due to them being stressed or, you know, depending on what it's motivated by will depend on how we address that. You know, if he's stressed and that's what's happening, then maybe we need to work on how to give him other skills to calm himself down and regulate rather than going to touch himself in public. I guess something else to look at there, like when he's putting his hands down his pants, is he actually 
masturbating and gaining an erection or is he simply holding himself for potentially a comfort thing? So if we knew that, you, if you knew the difference there, you might be able to have a better understanding of the function um, and whether it's, it's more of a, a sensory thing or he's actually trying to gain uh, that sexual pleasure, which would help in, in, in being able to develop good strategies to help with that behaviour. And if it was a, a sensory thing, is there something else that you could perhaps substitute that with? You would need to look for replacement behaviours. Um, so if he's doing, if you found that he was only doing it at the shopping centre, say, and it was a sensory issue, you could make sure that he always had something else in his hands. They required pretty much two hands, therefore putting his hand down his pants is much more difficult while he's holding on to something. Um, although that may not always meet the sensory need, making it difficult for, for him, um, it could be something like an iPad or similar while he's in those locations that may keep him occupied. If they found that it was he was actually masturbating for for the um, the sexually sexual pleasure, it would be more about education about appropriate locations, things like that. Yeah, which was when you would be doing a lot more work on the private and public and Correct. redirecting to private places. And you know, it's quite common for young boys to put their hand down the pants and hold on to themselves. It's not necessarily masturbation; it just feels nice. Great. Okay. Well, we have another question from uh, Mina in the Northern Territory. Uh, Mina says, my child is 12 years old and is on the spectrum. She's recently started touching herself and we have been working hard to help her understand that she should only touch herself in the bedroom. She often forgets and starts touching herself in the lounge room or the kitchen. She's a sensitive kid and I'm trying to educate her as gently as possible so as not to make her embarrassed. However, I am concerned that her younger siblings will see this behaviour if I don't react quick enough. What can I do? So it'd be useful to have a code word or something similar that's agreed uh, agreed on with both Mina and her daughter, which can be then used as a prompt to guide her to a bedroom for this um, behaviour of touching herself. Um, we can then also you know, follow that up with that praise or with that reinforcement for going to the bedroom independently or, you know, following a prompt such as using the code word, um, if she goes to a bedroom straight away, then, you know, we want to reinforce that so that she's starting to associate that when I want to do this behaviour, I need to be in my bedroom or I need to be in my bathroom. Um, and so the more times we uh, have that behaviour followed by something pleasurable, then she is going to be more likely to start to go with that and it's a much less embarrassing way to approach it if we have, you know, a code word or something similar so that it doesn't draw attention to her. Um, you know, it could even be something like, oh, hey, um, do you want to go check your lamp in your bedroom's turned off? Um, you know, it could be something really, really quite discreet, but it then prompts her to go to a bedroom, check if her lamp's on or off, and then she can continue to engage in that behaviour. And continuing with um, other tools such as social stories and that um, ongoing to help developers her understanding of where it's appropriate and not is important as well. I know that um, Mina has said that they've been working hard to help her understand, but has, she hasn't quite got that yet, so continuing that process as well so that she does develop that understanding over time. Um, but in that short term, until she gets that understanding, having the other strategies is really important. And what about for somebody who is needs that sort of literal uh, information where a code word might 
be a little bit too abstract for them. Mm -hmm. Is there um, a strategy that you might suggest for that situation? Yeah, I would say more, just a more direct prompt um, that's not using the language like you need to go and touch yourself or do that behaviour in your room, more like, oh, maybe you should, you know, maybe it's time you went and had a rest. So it's just something that she would maybe know that she just goes to her room for anyway. It's not necessarily a code word. It's a more direct prompt but still not explicit as to why she's been asked to do or what she's been asked to do. Or even something as simple as, oh, where are your hands? Remember, we do that in the bedroom. You can also look at having um, sort of very rule-governed based visuals or supports that identify, you know, when you want to do these behaviours, you must be in this environment. And so we can make it quite explicit that, you know, there's the rule of the swimsuit rule that if there's some if you want to touch yourself where your swimsuit would usually cover then that needs to be in your room or in your bathroom and so you know you can have those really concrete rules of if you're going to do that that's okay but you must do it in these environments um and having that discussion with her so it's quite explicit in the sense of you know what we're expecting her to do all right. So our next question is from Rani in Queensland. Uh, Rani says, my son started masturbating a few years ago and we have worked with him to learn about private and public behaviours and places. Uh, he is really good at only masturbating in his bedroom. However, he isn't so good at cleaning up after himself. As he masturbates a few times a week, I'm having to clean up after him regularly. Is there something I can do to reduce the mess or to help him learn to clean up after himself? Yeah, so this is, you know, a really common thing to happen at this time. Um, my son is, you know, exploring himself but then not knowing what to do afterwards. And so it would be really good to provide him with all the tools that he needs to complete that task independently, such as a special box with items like lube or wet, tish, wet wipes or tissues or all of those things that he needs in order to, you know, clean up after himself and not have to rely on mum doing that um, after the fact. And that can then be accompanied by a step-by-step -step prompt or whether that be visual or written um, for her son to follow so that he can then do that independently by himself without mum's assistance. And then I would also encourage um, Rani to reinforce him through an appropriate system for each day that his bedroom's cleaned and he's not required, uh, she's not required to clean up afterwards. So that then that also is an extra motivator for him to actually engage in using something like a special box that has everything in there for him. Um, so that's definitely one way to do it. And that's a way to, you know, not only teach him how to do it, but then also reinforce him and um, get him motivated to want to do it himself. Fantastic. Um, and I might move on to our final question, which is from Callie in Victoria. Uh, Callie says, my son is 16 years old and has an intellectual disability. He usually goes to his room for private time of an afternoon after he finishes school. I think he is using pornography to help him masturbate as I recently borrowed his iPad and saw the tabs that he had left open. I know it is relatively normal for a teenager to look at pornography, but I am not sure I'm comfortable with this. I also don't know where he learnt about pornography and if he fully understands what he's looking at. Should I be letting my son look at porn? This is a tricky question that we get asked quite a lot, so I'm interested to hear your guys' um, thoughts on the matter. Yeah, so 
you know, it is a very age-appropriate behaviour and it's unlikely that you'll be able to stop him from access pornography as adolescents are really tech-savvy these days. Um, however, you can teach him the appropriateness of porn and educate him on the risks around accessing porn on unsafe websites or even provide him with an alternative method or mode of accessing pornography which can be more controlled in the content that's provided to him. So whether that be... Um, visual media or whether it be um, magazines or, you know, things like that that can be a bit more controlled. So we're still giving him access, but at least then we know that he's not delving into some very interesting parts of the internet. Um, It may also be useful to identify if he fully understands what he's looking at. And so there you really want to check his sexual knowledge and check his understanding. So it may be good to reach out to a school psychologist or even, um, you know, get access to the assessment of sexual knowledge. And that can be done with him to identify what his knowledge is and his understanding of the things that he's watching. Um, We do need to keep in mind that this is probably influenced by peers. And so he may be watching it because he's potentially being influenced in that way. And so we need to also check that knowledge um, and his understanding of what he is watching. And there are also um, pornography um, websites and areas that he can access that are more um, uh, regulated and they also have more appropriate content on them. And so there are some of those, I guess, more um, not so full-on websites or risky websites that he can access as well. And, you know, that may be a conversation to have with him is rather than don't watch porn is, you know, rather than not watching it, how about we watch it in the most appropriate way possible? Or, you know, I want you, I'm happy for you to watch it, but let's use these methods of um, utilising pornography uh, rather than, you know, letting him have that free control or no control. There's an interesting uh, point that Kelly makes where she says she knows it's normal for teenagers to look at porn but not sure she's comfortable with it. Mm. Um, that could be around perhaps... Uh, having a conversation of what your values as a family are Um, or even I think a lot of people are mostly concerned about their kids looking at porn because they think they might see representations of relationships and sex that are perhaps not so healthy or might even be violent. So perhaps looking into sitting down and thinking about what your values as a family are around those things and giving them good examples of, of what a healthy relationship is and what that looks like outside of pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there is also, you know, a big movement these days around ethical pornography and things like that as well where, you know, they do take into consideration all of the messages that are going to be inadvertently um, addressed or produced based on the pornography that's being watched. And so there is quite a few ethical-based um, pornography websites and um, materials that can be accessed as well. Um, and, you know, that's where it's also good to evaluate what your ethical and what your moral um, philosophies are behind, why, why it might be uncomfortable for her, and then identify, you know, what is an appropriate way for, you know, her to give her son access to what he needs and what he desires, but in a way that she's comfortable with it. So, you know, that may be changing the mode of pornography that he accesses um and that may at least make it a bit easier to know what content he's actually consuming there Mm. 
And I, yeah, I would agree that a lot of the concerns that parents likely have around their children accessing pornography on the internet is that there's so much stuff out there that is unsafe, that is damaging. There's a lot of research uh, now talking about the, the you know the damaging effects of pornography on adults, let alone children. Um, and so that that concern about what their son is accessing is completely valid. However, providing him with that uh, that access to it in a way that they're comfortable with, it would be the best option. Yeah, and um, for parents who are interested in finding a bit more about pornography and general internet safety, the eSafety Commissioner has some really great resources and some information that you can all go and have a look at. Well, that's it for us today. It's all about questions. Thank you, Sarah and Lee. Uh, it's been wonderful talking to you uh, and thank you for all your information and advice. Not a problem at all. We've enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Thank you for joining us on Planet Puberty as we've discussed masturbation with Lee and Sarah. We hope that the stories, information and advice that they shared help you to navigate puberty with your child. All resources and services mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. You can find them at planetpuberty.org.au forward slash podcasts. Our music is Levels by Ketzer. For further information on masturbation and puberty, you can go to the Planet Puberty website or you can email disability at fpnsw.org.au. Join us again in two weeks when we talk about the emotional changes that puberty brings.